hello, and welcome to the Percussion Educator Podcast. My name is John Spees, and this is episode two. It's been a while since the last time we spoke. Since then, we've had some holidays. I hope you had a good time, uh, regardless of what holiday you celebrate. And I hope you had some nice rest, ready for whatever the next adventure is you're doing in percussion. The thing that we're going to talk about today, or the subject of today, I guess you could call it, is going to be Drum and Bugle Corps, DCI. I marched, a lot of people I know marched, so for this episode, I ended up bringing in a few guys I know from various ages who marched in different, I don't know, eras, decades, and we just kind of sat down and talked about Drum Corps, about the audition process, about our experiences, about where drum corps came you know where it comes from where maybe where it's going and just you know various things like that and i brought in a couple friends of mine and a former student actually um rob surratt and mac purdy are guys i've worked with here in town rob marched in the 80s mac marched in the mid 90s or so I marched in the early 2000s, and I brought in a former student of mine who just recently marched with the Mandarins in the 2015 season, I believe. We talk about it a little bit. And I just brought these guys in to kind of talk about drum corps, and and I know it's a big part of all our lives as percussionists, and I know that some people are all about it, some people don't like it, but you know what? I kind of view DCI as, as kind of the gateway percussion drug. It's the way that a lot of people get into the wider world of percussion. They start, they see the marching band, they see the drum line, kids want to get in it, they get in it, and then all of a sudden they learn of all these other things, especially when they go to college and find all these other ensembles that they can be in. And I think it's a great introduction to our world and a good kind of gateway to get into. So I'm not going to talk too long because we got a pretty long interview with these guys and I'll catch up with you a little bit at the end of the interview. Here is Rob Surratt, Mac Purdy, and Jorge Chavez. So I figured we'd just 
because we um, I gathered you I gathered you here together. Um, <laughs> I guess I asked you for specific because it kind of is four decades of drum corps. That hurts. Yeah. That hurts. That's <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't say Rob, what, you what just, part. Rob, you take two of those. <laughs> Thank decades, you. So, <laughs> you're half of it here. Um, so if, let's, if you wouldn't mind, let's just kind of go around the horn and uh, since we're going to talk drum corps, say your name and uh, chords you marched, what years, what you marched, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That old chestnut. Yeah. Oh, Mac, we can start with you. Sure. Uh, Mac Purdy. I marched... Uh, 1994 at Southwind Drum and Bugle Corps. And then I marched 1995 and 96 with the Cavaliers Drum and Bugle Corps. Rob? Uh, Rob Surratt. Uh, uh, marched uh, 1981 through 83 Crossman Snare. And then marched in Blue Devils 84, 85. And then Popham 86, 87. Jorge? Uh, Jorge Chavez. I uh, marched uh, Sacramento Mandarins Drum and Bugle Corps. 2016. And I myself marched uh, Crossman Core Ensemble in 2000. Go Bones. Go Bones. That's right. <laughs> Got a couple of Crossmen here. Uh, Jorge, can we uh, can we motion to have your name changed to Jorge Queso? Yeah, sounds good. Yes, I'm Jorge Queso with cheese. Jorge Queso. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys, specifically, this might seem like an odd question, about the first time you auditioned for a drum corps, if you remember that far back. Um, kind of, if you remember what the experience was like and kind of what you were feeling, not does anyone have want to jump in? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so <coughs> it was uh, actually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, actually, um, before I made Mandarins, I actually auditioned for a full drum bugle corps. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, before that, so probably my senior year, junior in high school, um, that was like 2014. Um, yeah, I auditioned for uh, Gold and um, and got cut that year. They told me some couple things to practice, so I took that, practiced it. The next year, same thing, audition. Um, you know, I thought I thought I had a better shot, and they said I did, but still um, didn't make it. <laughs> um, so I got cut, that was the second year. Um, so then 2016 came along, and I wanted to try out for Mandarin since they had a, they also had um, auditions coming up in, you know, around the same time in the same area as Gold, so I was like, oh, I might as well check that out. And um, so I was like, might as well just practice that. Um, and so pretty much I just practiced the music, paid the fee and everything. <coughs> expecting completely expecting to get cut um, but I showed up and I was actually prepared um, compared to everyone else and um, that's what got me the, the call back um, so I was pretty excited when when I got that call back um, I was actually nervous because of I was hearing all these other people showing up like all these vets and um, other people from that marched um, elsewhere and I was still thinking that I have I have a shot, but I thought I was still going to get cut. Um, so pretty much I just practiced every single day until the January camp in Sacramento. And um, uh, after those two days, um, the the dudes there, Matt Howell, Robbie Bowen, um, 
they 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 noticed that I was prepared and that I took the time and practiced um, with a med and uh, um, pretty much everything they were asking for. So uh, when I got the contract, um, you know, pretty much just <laughs> made my weekend and everything. But just um, overall, I just felt like I wasn't ready yet. Um, but in the end, I guess I was just because of how much I practiced and gave myself that preparation. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, how my audition went down. Brandon, you want to go? Go, Matt. I'm still trying to recall. <laughs> uh, first time I auditioned for drum corps would be, it would have been for the season of 1992. Um, I auditioned for the Cavaliers. I went out, I was, let's see, I would have been a junior in high school. And uh, no intention of making it. A friend of mine uh, had marched the year before, who I went to high school with, so it was kind of the reason I went. Um, a lot of Kentucky people were in that at the time, so it was very familiar people going into that situation. And my initial thought was just, let's just go and learn some stuff. And so I auditioned on, well, I went to the snare room briefly, uh, got to see that <laughs> for a second. <laughs> then I checked out the bass drum room for an even shorter amount of time. Uh, and then I uh, auditioned on cymbals. They had cymbal line at that time. It was actually... Um, one of the last symbol lines I think they ever did. But uh, did that, and they called me back. So I went back for one more camp and just learning symbol, and that was their symbol slash guard year. So had some guard <laughs> camps, which was a new experience for myself. Um, and it was, it was a lot of information. And the biggest thing I got out of it, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't end up making it that year. Uh, what I got out of it was the process, like what it took to come prepared and what it took to go to a drum corps camp when I'm ready to like dive into it seriously. But um, that process was huge for my next couple of years of auditioning because it really showed how the process worked. I actually had a very similar experience to what you had. The very first time I went to a drum corps camp um, was it was for the 99 season for Crown. I had a friend who had marched uh, soprano back when they were still using it, uh, soprano the year before, and he took me up with him to a camp, um, and that was actually back when uh, Paul and Sandy Rennick were uh, there, and I had just auditioned for, I didn't think I was going to be good enough to try out for the battery, even though that's all I'd done in high school, so I decided to try out for the pit, um, and got, uh, I got so much out of those three days that I was there that I had never got in the entire time I had been in high school because most of the teachers I had in high school were just battery guys. We didn't really have any pit people. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to learn how to do all, everything and stuff. Um, and that prepared me for the next year when I actually went and actually tried to audition for Crossman when I, when I marched the next year in 2000. So I did have kind of a similar experience for the very first Drum corps experience with you. Yeah, I, I, when I, when young people ask me, <laughs> what do, what do I need to do? I I just tell them to go, just go. Right. I agree. You have to. You're not gonna understand what it takes until you get there and see the process, because um, it's not anything like any audition you've done um, prior to that for any high school or college mm -hmm. situation. Um, but the educational aspect of just seeing it changes the way you approach it the following years. Mm -hmm. 
Other year round, do you remember? I, I think part that that audition process, from my experience, also normalizes because you go to a, a drum corps. I went to a drum corps. Well, let me back up. I wanted to play in the Bayonne Bridgman my first year, but I, I didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that kind of hindered me. So I had a bunch of friends who wanted to go to Cross me. They're like, is that what was going on there? And I said, okay, I'll go for the audition. And I really wasn't expecting anything. I was, uh, yeah, I was 15, 16 that first year. And, uh, and, and I think for me, preparation, because I didn't know what to expect. Um, uh, everything that in, in my area, and, and this is from the 70s and 80s, you, um, you, you watch the chords during the summer prior, and you listen to every album, and that's how you learn. You know, if you get your hands on some actual music, other than that, you kind of drum along to what you think mm-hmm. somebody's playing. So that kind of was the preparation. Um, uh, my background preparing for, uh, for Crossman auditions was I'd been in parade chorus since I was six. So I was kind of familiar with, you know, at least marching and drumming. Mm-hmm. And, and I had some really uh, effective instructors, uh, members of the Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. So they just pounded into me old school rudiment stuff, um, which I think was helpful. I didn't realize how helpful it was until I went into Crossman. Because, again, I, I wasn't going in thinking I'm going to make it. I just went because all of my other friends were going. And uh, at the time, Tom Hannum uh, was the caption head. Chris Thompson was with him. And as a matter of fact, uh, Mark Thurston, who's, who is the head of WGI, and Jimmy Dwyer, who's on the, the visual panel, they were in the snare line. And, um, and I, I can distinctly re- recall going in, and, they, and I think it, it was an interest for me. You wrote down what your experience was. And everybody else there, particularly in the Philadelphia area, so many feeder corps, you know, mm-hmm. PAL cadets and, and, uh, and small VFW-sponsored organizations. So, it, you know... Back then, there were a lot more drum corps than even yeah. when, when you started, Mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and so a lot of kids familiar with the the, f- the vibe of what was going on in the drum corps scene in Philly. I grew up in Washington D.C., so it was about 150 miles south. And uh, and I can recall sitting in that room, uh, and they had individual kind of questionnaire auditions. They were, they wanted to see his drummers group, but we sat down and, and they said, "So, what's your experience?" I said, "Well, I played in Fife and Drum Corps." And Dead silence in the room. <laughs> what? Yeah, I played the drum corps. And so, again, the next thing we know, everybody's strapping on drums, and then they're just asking us to play through some basic rudimental stuff, see if everybody plays plays well together. And then, you know, you can see people start dropping out over time. It probably was, you know, winter camps. So I think maybe one or two camps that kind of were whittling down the line. And I was really surprised that I was left standing in the line of some... Uh, Six vets returning and, uh, and uh, uh, the other four rookies. Uh, of the four, I was the only one that never marched drum corps prior. Mm. And and I, I I think I attribute that to just my experience learning how to drum up to that point. And it was just a good fit. Mm. Now, whether or not everybody else you know quit and went somewhere else or the uniform fit me and fit no one else, I don't know. But <laughs> nonetheless, that was that was the experience in... in uh, Getting into Crossman, my my first drum corps, and uh, it was pretty loose. Uh, I don't know if that was, if it was different between Southland for you, and then getting into Cavies, uh, Mac. How that happened, but for again, internet didn't exist when I was in drum corps. Uh, cell phones, nothing. Um, the audition process for Blue Devils until, uh, well, I I sent an interest letter to, to Tom Float, 
and uh, and he responded back. He kind of picked me out of the the, the previous year crossman. I said, "Is this you? Is this where you stood?" So, I was surprised that he remembered, you know, me. I, I don't know if that's because I was anyway. He did, and and I recall uh, uh, sending a tape to him. It wasn't even a videotape. It was a cassette tape of me playing Blue Devils exercises because everybody had them memorized. You know, everybody knew, but everybody else was playing. And uh, he said, fly out. He told me to buy a round-trip ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and I flew out to Concord in, in January. And uh, the audition was, it was a snare drum on a floor, float me, and he just said, play along. Here's the exercise. You know it? Okay, play. And then went through all that and he said, played off the left hand. And uh, he said, okay, go get a drum. That was it. Huh. Uh, it wasn't really long, drawn out. And the line was set. They had... Uh, Nine or ten snares, somebody coming and going. But by that time I got there, I was surprised. Again, I, I don't you know. I wasn't expecting to make it. I thought it'd be a nice trip to Concord and go home. <laughs> and it worked out okay. So I'm going to ask you this, Rob, since, since we have Mark the same core. Why did you pick Crossman? Well, initially it was default. I, because I had other friends, a couple guys in the horn line and a couple guys in the drum line, with whom I um, went to high school with. And I wanted to go to Bayonne Bridgman because that was I just loved the groove and they were winning drums and they were playing great music and mm-hmm. they were you know they were a favorite chord, whether they won or not didn't matter. They really right. enjoyed what they did and that's where I wanted to go. And when they said we're not going to Bridgman, we're going to go check out Crossman, I went. Uh, they don't want to drive another you know hour and a half, two hours north to to Bayonne to drop me off. So right. I just went to that's how I ended up at Crossman initially. Yeah, I when I went, uh, I I remember I wanted to go to Phantom. That's where I wanted to try and, and go audition, but the um, uh, the guy who was the head of the drum line of the University of Georgia, uh, John Seipert, had just got the gig as the caption head at Crossman, okay. and he said, "Hey, I actually told us that I got the gig, so if anyone wants to go try out, please come." And a couple of us did go up, and um, a few of us did end up making the line. But and he even said, you know, he told us like you, we had to make. The line sure. couldn't just walk onto it, but he was going there, so I figured we at least I would know someone going in. Right. So that's how I ended up there, um, and then ended up staying for various reasons, uh, not the least of which was the fact that I ended up meeting my wife. <laughs> kind of a significant <laughs> reason. Yeah. I did not meet my wife. <laughs> when I yeah. No. Like we we. She and I started hanging out from day one of the first camp. So it wasn't like it was a slow burn. Like, we just started hanging out then, and it just kind of blossomed. It blossomed when we got onto tour, because you know, I only saw her a weekend a month for six months until sure. we actually moved in. But, uh, yeah. So I do, I always have Crossman to thank for the fact that I uh, met my wife and now have two children. So, <laughs> I like to think of them as drum corps babies. Indirect crossman yeah. babies. Yeah. Crossman babies. That's right. <laughs> um, so, Mac, uh, how was your experience? At, actually, well, since we're talking um, auditions, how was your audition at? How was the audition process at Cavaliers? Um, well, the first time I went, the 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 sampling year, uh, it was very there. It's a very education based core. The way that they approached it, at least at that time, I'm pretty sure they're pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so they would spend a lot of time explaining things. Um, and it's kind of where I got a lot of my teaching style is they would not take for granted that you know something. Mm-hmm. We're going to explain everything out, and then we'll see who graphs it graphs the concept quick enough and that's who ends up being you know you're the ones that learn quick mm-hmm. and that's kind of the and that to me was a light bulb because um, I'd come you know high school drumming you just play it play it again and then we'll play some more and this was the first time that somebody said okay but what are you really doing and what is your hand supposed to do here and that so that's what kind of drew me to their process was that intellectual side of digging into it mm-hmm. um but it was, it was very relaxed. I mean, even when you knew you weren't going to make it, nobody ever was, like, rude or, you know, you don't belong here or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They were very encouraging mm-hmm. of, you know, you're so close, you need to work on these things. Or if your style was not remotely close to what they're doing, they let you know that soon. Mm-hmm. Like, you got hands for days, but your style is so different. But these cores, this one, this one, this one, match what you're doing and you'd have a great chance of doing that so we had a couple guys that got that information went and ended up marching in groups like that better fit them um and had great summers but the process i mean that that's my biggest takeaway from it is is how in-depth the education side was in an audition it wasn't just play to a silent room and then them saying thanks and see ya. Who was running the line at the time? Was it Brett Um, Brian Mason was the caption head. Okay. Well, when I first auditioned in 92, that was Life, actually, was the caption head. Um, so the, all the techs were, you know, Brett was in and out. Um, Dave Dombeck was there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of older that zipped through on occasion year after year after year um, for the 92. And when I went back in 94... 93 was a sampling year for me. I, I checked out a lot of places. Oh, but okay. in 94, when I went back for my, I'm really going to try this time, um, it was Brian Mason. Okay. And uh, that, the style was exactly the same because Brian marched there. He was on staff, you know, in 92. It's like brought up to the system. Mm-hmm. No matter who is in charge, I mean, there's personality differences, but right. at this, their style is their style. And it's kind of stayed that way, and that's that's what drew me to that style of drumming is is the intellectual kind of break it down style of playing. All right, Jorge, um, um, how did you, since I since I know him and he was there, um, how did you like working with uh, Sean Womack? Um, <clears throat> it was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, it was like nothing like um, anything here. Um, uh, in high school, or every, every, everywhere else that I went, um, but, um, him being from, what was it, uh, JSU, um, I think yeah, that's where he's, he's at from now. Alabama, yeah. yeah, and, um, just, like, um, his accent and all his, uh, um, <laughs> mannerisms, yeah, and all that <laughs> stuff, the way he, he talked, it was pretty interesting, um, because when, when I first moved in and everything, and I was talking to all these different people, it was, um, different getting all a uh, taste of everybody and especially um Sean Womack all the analogies he used and it was, it was very interesting um, <laughs> very interesting analogies he used but in a sense like um it helped me um uh understand what he was trying to say or what he wants us to to do or think or feel like when we play certain stuff um throughout the show 
So um, yeah, um, it was it was, it was nice um, getting that different um, uh, taste of you know of an instructor, um, where where he's from and what what he's done and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool um, running uh, going over ensemble with him, uh, just being Sean Womack. Yeah, <laughs> that dude's <laughs> awesome. Um. I'm just gonna kind of pose a question to you guys. What, what was your first uh, experience with drum corps as far as being exposed to it? Do you remember the first time you were exposed to drum corps? Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was actually um, my freshman year in high school. Um, in middle school, I actually played oboe, and um, going into high school, I still played oboe. Um, they put me on bells. Um, because they told me you couldn't march um, in oboe, and um, so you shouldn't march in oboe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. With a double reed and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I did bells for that um, in the marching band season and the in the winter season, at um, in my high school my freshman year, and um, I was hearing all the drumline kids talk talk about different groups, drum corps, and mm -hmm. I had no clue what what they were talking about. They mentioned oh Blue Devils this year or um, Cavaliers or just they were just mentioning all these groups and um, and I, I had no clue what they were talking about so one day I just searched it up on on YouTube uh, when we had internet searched it up <laughs> but yeah those who haven't figured out that Jorge is significantly younger than <laughs> <laughs> yeah I searched it up and. Um, I just saw like a nine, ten man snare line, just a huge battery, and everything they're playing is super difficult, and it was super clean, um, played it all very well, and I told myself, you know, I want, I want to do something like that, I want, I want, I wonder what I could do to get myself there, and then, that's when you know, um, I heard about all these drum corps, all the, all the auditions, like gold, that's mm -hmm. the very first one I heard about, so I, that's the one I signed up to and practiced. And went to that one, so yeah, pretty much. Um, my friends mentioning all these groups um, uh, is what got me into it. Do you remember the first time you saw one live? Live. Because that, that's a completely different experience. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see one live until um, actually March um, oh. um, this past summer. So first, I mean, first I got to perform it, perform live. Um, but I guess the first group I ever saw live would be. Um, I think Madison Scouts, they were like right next to us, and okay. we were just stretching, warming up, uh, getting ready to play, but they were already into their lives, so I just got to see them live um, in, in the lot setting. Uh, performance, actually, um, I, was a, I was able to, after we performed, we were able to go watch some groups, and I remember the first group I saw was, um, actually, Mad yeah, Madison Scouts, though, <laughs> um, and that was actually really cool. I was, I was in the very front, and um, I just got you know, all that breath right. in my face. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a really cool feeling. Um, yeah, definitely, it's, a, it's definitely a lot, a lot better live than on, you know, on a screen or, mm -hmm. um, you know, YouTube. Or an album. Or an album. I actually remember, um, I remember <laughs> specifically the very first show anyone showed me was actually Cavaliers 95. Hmm. was the first time anyone showed me anything amazed by it and then I was lucky enough to go um, 
to see a show. My band director in high school, when we were in doing our band camp, um, took us to a show. And I don't remember who the first chord was, but I remember the one that I remembered most, because it's still one of my favorite shows, was uh, Santa Clara Vanguard, and this would have been 98. I think they got second place that year, and I still love that show, and it's the first time I'd ever seen something like that, mm-hmm. even at the level that I was seeing some of the, because there's some good high school, I grew up in Atlanta, and there's some good high schools. Some great high schools. Yeah, in Atlanta. Um, oh, I, I can't remember the name of the big one. I should. There's South Cobb, there's yeah. uh, Sprayberry. Lannis. Lassiter. Lassiter. Lassiter, Lassiter yeah, was Lassiter. the big one. I remember the first time we actually saw Lasseter. Uh, we played them in football, and that was the first time I ever saw a clean march. Was rolling up and seeing a giant mob of a band that was looked at least two or three times our size, perfectly in step all together, running just marching, just running marching girls in the parking lot, mm-hmm. and that was the first time you realized, oh, this really can look good. So anyway, back to the to the question. Um, do you guys remember your first sort of experience going to that? For me, scene? first time first time on TV was seventy four Vanguard. Was that, back, was that back when they used to show them on Thanksgiving? Uh, I, yeah, we used the no, PBS. Yeah, the PBS. Yeah. And our, I can't remember if it was a video that somebody had gotten a hold of. Oh, but okay. Watching them play Young Person's Guy mm. the first time it was you know amazing then, and then they they did a repeat and they did it again in eighty one when they won, and it was that's in terms of something that drew me to the activity because of the fact that they were ramming notes and it was very musical and it was well arranged and it was the dynamics were just amazing even though I don't know that I necessarily got it the first time I saw it that kind of set the stage for me looking for drum corps the first time I saw a live corps was uh, 1979 I'm trying to think that's the first one I remember I'm sure I saw something before that because there were shows up in the folk the Philadelphia area where I went. But um, in 79, in my hometown, just outside D.C. in Springfield, Virginia, there, there was a show at my high school, <coughs> and it got rained out. And all of the cores got to come into the gym. Everybody, they, they asked people, if you want a refund, you get a refund. You're welcome to come in and listen to the cores perform. So it was Madison and Cavies, Blue Stars, Crossman, Pioneer. It was a, it was, it was a, good, a good show. And they came in and just melted yeah. the ceiling. Drum corps and gym, pretty awesome. Holy <laughs> And, uh, you know, my ears are still ringing. And uh, <laughs> and that's when I decided I really wanted to be... I was very happy doing the, the parade corps, fife and drum thing. It was, it, was a, it was fun to do musters in the northern Virginia, mm-hmm. southern Maryland area. But I, I participated in that stuff. But seeing that really up close and, and you know, feeling it vibrate your pants. Yeah. You know, and just and, and going, holy, just walking out there, just, you know, Star Wars, Rogue One kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> And uh, that's when I decided, I think, I think I want to do this. Of course, then, you know, life gets in the way and you do other things. And yeah. moreover, uh, realistically, at that age, what was I? <coughs> 79. But I wasn't, mo- I didn't have a car. How am I going to get to where I'm going? Uh, you know, and of course, you seek it out uh, long enough, you find out there's people near you who probably are marching in the drum corps somewhere. But uh, that was my first experience. Um, well, I had an older brother and older sister that were band kids. So I think 
I'd been to a drum corps show when I was little. I have memories and I've seen like programs of stuff that I was at. I don't remember. So I saw one, but it didn't register until I was going into my freshman year in high school. Same situation. Our band director would take us to a drum corps show. Um, and we went to one in Southern Indiana. Um, and there was a clinic beforehand by Starve Indiana. And that was the first time I'd seen a drum corps rehearsal. And that was impressive on its own. Um, but the first core, I guess, of that year might have been Skyriders or something like that. Um, but same situation. When you're seeing, I'd heard about it before then and, you know, friends talking at school and that kind of stuff. You know, going into your freshman year, you start talking to the older upperclassmen. They're telling you all about this drum corps experience they're about to have. And I heard the name and it didn't, mean anything yet so getting in front of it in that first you know blast of combined air that hits you in the face Mm -hmm. um, makes an impression and then seeing what is capable with drums with that many people playing exactly the same was impressive it wasn't even that they were playing anything hard it could be eights Mm -hmm. but just at that age just like they're all the same. They're like mm-hmm. robots. You know, mm-hmm. that whole, mm-hmm. you know, when you're younger, that's impressive. Um, well, when, no, you're when you're older, older that's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> still impressive. Yeah. But that's the, the initial things of, you know, well, I have to do this. This is now something I have to do now. I uh, remember there was, for the longest time, and I, there probably still is, there was a drum corps show in a town called Ankeny in Iowa every year. I think I played it. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I did. I ended up playing it too when I marched Crossman. But the high school that the show was at happened to be attached to a park that was that my grandfather's house was right up against. Uh, up at the end, back after his backyard, if you looked up past the fence, you could see the whole park. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I remember seeing drum lines when I was very little walk past there. I might have seen you walk past. I wouldn't know because that would have been probably mid to late. 80s up through the 90s and they always went and watched the show and after uh, I believe it was 99 I went up to visit my grandfather and we went we went to watch we went to visit Mike um, we went to go watch the show and the two cores I remember that year were Madison Scouts uh, they did the Jesus Christ Superstar that year and Cadets and I cannot remember what the Cadets did I just remember being a, really liking the Madison show that year, and my grandfather turned to me and said, "I'd love for you to do this." And actually, he's the only reason I got a chance to do it because he funded most of my. I think I funded my flights because, of course, back then flights were a lot cheaper. And he funded my tour mm-hmm. for me, so that's the only way I got to march. Other than that, I probably would end up at Spirit of Atlanta because that was right there. Although by then, Spirit of Atlanta was probably Spirit from JSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only incarnations. Yep. Yeah, and they kind of jumped around for a while, um, and I didn't know Southland was still around at the time. Was before they was that the Kentucky stint? Yes, late nineties, early two thousands. Yes, they went yeah. To, yeah. yeah. I didn't march them when they were in Kentucky, <laughs> <laughs> even though I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> so, Rob, I want to ask you, what was marching in the Tom Float Line like? Um. I always said that. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, let me back up on this. If, if Crossman, the reason I left Crossman, 
wasn't to march for Tom Float initially. The reason I left Crossman is because they were having an identity crisis. So from the time the Crossmen were founded in 75 until 82, they kind of had they had an identifiable uh, playlist and kind of an image. Well, in 83, um, certain uh, DCI executives suggested if Crossman kind of crumpled up the, the current plan mm-hmm. and just completely re, um, uh, what do you call it? reinvent themselves, they would do very, very well in DCI. Now, you got to think, in 82, Crossman did pretty well. They were sitting sixth and seventh in DCI. Very successful percussion program. Tom Hannum is still running it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in fact, I was all, I, I'm still of the opinion that, that uh, Chris Thompson is a maniac percussion writer. He, he just likes to write a ton of notes. And Tom Hannum always was kind of... Chris, Chris Thompson was his 457 engine, and Tom Hannum was like his governor to <laughs> keep him from going over 60 miles an hour. Because I think Tom, in a way, understood... Um, uh, and not that Chris didn't, uh, I think... But Tom wanted to present present the, the musical side of the program to get credit for what they could rather than just give kids a bunch of notes to drum. Not that right. Chris wouldn't either because Chris right. is an amazing arranger. But, <clears throat> but Tom Hannum left in 82 to go to Garfield uh, and and start the, and, and work with the percussion program. 83 was his first year. So Chris Thompson became the caption head. Crossman did this huge uh, changeover from kind of jazz or Latin jazz influence to a, a, a much more classical um, book that year. Uniform changed from Aussies to Shakos, White Bucks, um, and they went through a couple of drill riders. In fact, Crossman uh, missed making finals in 83 by a tenth. The reason why is because they had like seven or eight uh, show rewrites like the last two weeks of, of the summer. Because <coughs> the, the, the music program was doing pretty well, um, it was much more challenging visually, so, uh, but, uh, but because of that, that uneasiness, I didn't want to deal with that another year. And so I thought, well, what's, what's my choice? Where do I want to go? I went Tom Floats and Buddha was, and I really liked Buddha was, and it kind of, it was a very similar style in 82 between what Buddha was, was doing, it, it, drumming, Buddha was, and, and Crossman. And I thought, uh, you know, if Tom's, if Tom Float, Went uh, went and taught an all girls core. I'd wear a skirt and tuck <laughs> and go audition for Tom Flo because I wanted to drum for him. Mm-hmm. And and I and it's, uh, I mean, f- again, Blue Devils got a great vibe. It, it was down my alley. I really liked what they were doing, but I also could see Tom Float had a turnkey operation. He took line year after year. Took lines that drummed consistently well every year. Even the years they didn't win, they were drumming very very well, and and it was noticeable. You could see that the his, his implementation of, of his, um, his theories in the parking lot, how the lines were drumming. You could see there was not that, not that we weren't learning well. You know, uh, Tom Hannum was what, 24, 23 when he was running Crossman's line. So he was still developing the system. Mm-hmm. He, he nailed it, I think, uh, when he got to, to, uh, to, I want to say Garfield, to cadets. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, I, I'm of the opinion that cadets, um, uh, percussion program got successful very quick because Glenn Crosby, with whom I marched in, in Blue Devils, and he marched under Tom Float for three years, mm-hmm. went and teched at Garfield and kind of used that that system, or at least that approach, mm-hmm. 
with helping Garfield the drum. So <coughs> going and in, in, in drumming for Float, Tom Float is, is still probably one of the most laid-back, easygoing guys you'll ever meet who, who uses that approach, you know, doesn't throw sticks, uh, isn't a, isn't a, he's not a tyrant, and he's and because he has this this Bible, this program of exercises. I mean, it's exercises on which Cavaliers' exercises are based mm-hmm. through life and through Brad Hall's, yeah. what they developed over there. Um, and, and I think it's, uh, I'm happy to see his influence on the activity, at least from the technical side and, and developmental side, mm-hmm. mentally, um, come through so many different avenues. Mike McIntosh uses that approach mm-hmm. um, in what he's doing with Cavaliers now. Um, he's developed his own thing, but I think the basis for that is what Tom Float was able to create. Whether he knew what he was creating, but but he knew that it was successful, and he was able to duplicate right. year after year successful drumming. And that's what I wanted to see. And what was unusual to me, or uh, I expected us to have a struggling year the first year I went to Blue Devils, because um, uh, uh, all but two people, and I'll use the snare line as an example, <coughs> excuse me, all but two people were new to the line. However, there was a lot of experience in that line that I went to in 84. Now, 83 was the, the last year of the tick system where there was the, the, the deduct for mistakes, and mm-hmm. 84 was the first year of the build-up system. Um, and even though uh, the system was implemented, uh, the sheets were created to, 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 uh, to look at evaluating a line differently in 84, all the adjudicators were still old. I mean, Rodney Goodhart and John Blair were you know, judging in the, in the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s. And they continued when I was in uh, when the system changed, and so the argument was that Tom knew, Tom Float knew how to clean a line, but but he didn't know how to how to have a, a produce a successful program under the new judging system. Mm-hmm. So in '83, Blue Devils won drums, and they were the cleanest line on the field, and they had a really good book. I, they might have come in third or fourth in, in the ensemble caption, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, the balance put them on top. And so in '84. Um, going into that line with all of these guys that we had in, in the line uh, 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 marched with Dave Glyde and a bunch of guys who had marched 27th Lancers and Santa Clara Vanguard and Bell, I mean a lot of experience even a lot more you know longer than I had been in drum corps coming into Blue Devils and and I remember thinking if Tom Float can make us clean with such a diverse background of really you know, Ralph Hardiman's trained a lot of these guys Charlie Poole's trained a lot of these guys you know some really heavy hitters um, uh, if he can, if he can pull that off, I'll be impressed. It, it, it really works. Mm-hmm. You know, what I think worked now that I'm in it, 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 it's proving to be true. Right. And it wasn't without its struggles because he had to kind of help us unlearn stuff that we had learned over the years. And he would always say, trust me, just do this and, and, and here's the program. And, uh, and I can remember progressing through the summer. <coughs> you know, we traded with wins with Santa Clara, and the other, the hottest line that entire summer was Twenty Seventh Lancers. They were consistently clean. Uh, you know, did very very well because even though, again, it was a build-up caption, there was field percussion and ensemble percussion, but we knew what field percussion represented. Where you got dirty, where you're clean. Yeah. The number, <laughs> the number represented. I'm right. sure it was, was yeah, exactly. wasn't like that. You know, and and we also knew judges, even though they might not have been. Putting ticks on the sheet, they were counting ticks. Yeah, they were they were you know evaluating in their brain. Okay, who's clean, who's not. And uh, and I can remember the last two two weeks of the summer. Uh, and this is uh, 
something that uh, that just blew me away that Tom did. I thought they just came out clean and they just kept getting cleaner and cleaner. Mm-hmm. And and every line when they when they go through the summer, there's the book at the beginning of the year. And whether it doesn't change musically or it's too thick or it's just not getting clean, it starts getting yanked. Right. And and Flo was no different. He did the same thing where he would sit down and he would map out the entire show on a chalkboard. And he would, I don't know what his, uh, what his number was, <coughs> but he would evaluate, okay, if this is consistently a problem, we're going to change this and we'll still get credit for it because the judges know it is this. Mm-hmm. You know, know, this lick is this. And instead of putting the flan there, we're just going to make it a drag. Call it good. Mm-hmm. And keep moving forward. He says, don't worry about it. You, you missing a flan isn't going to matter when you're walking off the field with a trophy. Right. right? <laughs> and that was the goal. He says, we want to win drums. Right. And, uh, and so uh, to, to, to see him systematically work through the season, get us all to, to get on the same page uh, psychologically, and then get our hands to work together, and then, and then use those exercises. Tom probably is most famous for, at least most kids are familiar with the grid and variations of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get us to use, utilize that to get our hands to play the way that he wanted us mm-hmm. to. And to do it without, he, was never, he never panicked. Mm-hmm. He was never worried. He says, just, we'll work. It's, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like the, the four quarters. There's 60 minutes in the game. Right. You, you're not doing <laughs> so well in the first half of the game. Don't worry about it. We're st- we still, you know, we need to play, we need to finish hard at the end. And with all that hard work, at the end of the season, Blue Devils came on came on, on top, heavy on top. I was really surprised how well we did at the end of that season. And then he duplicated it in 85 and 86. Mm-hmm. Had, a, had a good run there. Cool. And those were all my – when we talk, you talked about earlier how you would listen to stuff and learn how to drum and just 85, 86, and 87 Blue Devils is where I would play on a pad with my cassette tapes mm-hmm. <laughs> and just drum that stuff. Lots of rolls. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, be ready. Didn't know, <laughs> know what it was, but you just uh, this is what yeah, I think it just, is. I'm just drumming. Yeah, and at that point, I'm playing something close. I mean, my hands are moving. Yeah, that's well. And to the same aspect, I don't know how many of us tried doing the claw after watching <laughs> do it in '95. It was the same thing because um, <coughs> was it in '95? I was 14, mm-hmm. so that was about the age where everyone getting into drum corps again it was in for everyone in my age group and and watching you guys do that and i was like oh, no we gotta try it none of us could do it obviously but just you know it's a, it, it's a circus trick yeah <laughs> but it was a clean i remember but, seeing that the first time clean. and going saying there's yeah. no way i gotta hear that live there's no way that's clean and i go okay i'm eating my words <laughs> yeah. and, and that was actually the second year of it it was snuck it. into the 94 show Okay. But it was not good. It was okay, and it was like visually not where anybody noticed it. Right. Oh, it so was, it was, they didn't weren't getting credit right. for it. Well, that was the other the thing that you guys were right in the front when you did that. Yeah. So. Well, that wasn't the original drill either. We didn't oh, change right. that till finals week. We were in this cluster, so you only saw it was like three people. Oh, you only saw three people. So in finals week, we changed our drill to that straight line, and got way more credit for it because everybody could see all the yeah. hands. And that's. Yeah. People went crazy. So yeah. I'm sure you're sick of, of talking about it, but that was that's kind of one of those landmark shows was the '95 Cavalier Show, the Planet Show. And did you guys know going in once you learned what the show was going to be or early on how good it was? No, not at all. Um, it was cool for me because when I got to the audition camps that year, you know, when you first start seeing music, I loved the Planets prior, like right the sweet like all of it and I was like oh I always wanted to play this this would be awesome you know so that's a little more motivation too right. like I'm gonna work my ass off and get this going um so 
we just thought it was a cool show and it was a throwback for Cavaliers. It was the 10 year right. anniversary from mm-hmm. the first time they did it, which mm-hmm. they scored really well. It was like one of the um, landmark years for Cavaliers mm-hmm. in 85. Um, so yeah, it was, that was, that was a good core that year. Yeah. So doing that show meant a lot to the core and the brotherhood side of it as well. Right. So it was just, it had a good vibe to it. And first tour, which was, you know, the first month of the season, we did okay. Madison Scouts beat us everywhere we went because their show was amazing. Their, their show was <laughs> It was yeah. ridiculous. Program and clean. 95 early and 96 yeah. Madison shows were Yeah, and it, we would just nightly just get hosed by them. Mm-hmm. But it, we, our show was fun. It was good. We enjoyed it. But we had staff that would just say, just keep working on this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you don't understand yet. This is a good vehicle. Mm-hmm. This is going to do well. And we're just like, yeah, it's a good show. And then not until second tour, like we're about three weeks from finals, then it started to click. Like our placements started moving a little bit here and there. Drums started sliding up the mm-hmm. scale a little bit because we were like four, you know, fourth, fifth, mm-hmm. right in that range, still good. Right. But, you know, we weren't jumping anywhere. But that, it just started clicking and the design started being seen because the excellence was now catching up uh, to yeah, it. Right, right. And. I think it was the week before finals. We had one of those big regional shows. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that Blue Devils had lost drums in like two years. Right. <laughs> and that was the moment we were like, oh, we could, this could be something. Yeah. You know, so going in, that was the week going into finals week. So we knew nothing. We weren't going to see anybody again until quarterfinals. Oh, wow. So that was our last, like, you just beat them in drums. Mm-hmm. Let's just go work this week. And it worked out okay. But it was not something where we knew right away. And we really it really didn't know that it was going to do that well until like that week before. Okay. So it took a while. Still fun summer all the whole summer. Yeah. But it wasn't something we were like out of the gate knowing, oh, we're going to win this year. <laughs> it's no, not even close. Yeah. So since, <clears throat> excuse me, since uh, we don't have... Uh, Oscars for drum corps. What was what was the what was the experience like winning championships on a two two? Since I know Jorge and I have not done it, <laughs> I think. Or was it more important for you to for that drum title than it was for just winning? I uh, I don't want to make it sound like it's yeah. Like the, there's an expectation in Concord to win. There's right. there's that whole yeah. mindset. Yeah. That nobody's nobody's gonna beat the core, and I, I was just I was there I was just totally blown away that I was even part of the organization, mm-hmm. much less. And I, I there were people that really got mad when Blue Devils lost to anybody. They hated that in the right. core. And these are this is generations of family. I'm I marched <clears throat> next to Danny Molina. His parents started the drum corps, mm-hmm. and he you know he is uh, so and his. Uh, Rick Odello, who's who's a BD Hall of Famer, was wrote the wrote um, the drum book for the '76 and '77 Blue Devils. You know, I mean, it's a huge history. And he would get so mad when we got beat. Well, you know, Santa Clara was their whatever cross bay rival, but right. he would be so mad if we <laughs> lost to them. And uh, and I I didn't. I, again, I was just happy to get out there and play music that I loved with people right. I enjoyed drumming with, and for people I'd enjoyed drumming, you know, the staff. Right. And so 
the I think winning winning a trophy was icing on the cake. Did we did we gun for it? Did I want it to happen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, had it not happened, it didn't matter because I enjoyed <clears throat> the experience. Right. So you know, uh, you know, a great example. You mentioned '95. Blue Devils were so upset that they they oh, thought we know. they were, they were, <laughs> they were undefe- undefeated, yeah. undefeated almost the entire yeah. year, and yeah. then bam, you come from behind and slam them hard. And I think. And we felt that it wasn't that they were uh, that our show was getting so much better. It's I think psychologically they changed that final week. Like they, I mean they they hadn't lost since ninety mm-hmm. three, yeah. and this is ninety five. Yeah. So, but psychologically, and they just we could see it in the parking lot the frustration they were having and things like that. They didn't like, know what to do. They yeah, didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know what yep. was wrong and they didn't know what to do. And yep. you got three days left. They're yeah. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. So like we could see that that psychological thing happening. And we, I kind of saw something similar, and this is not up on that caliber because I knew going into Crossman, we were never going to win that year, just because Crossman usually was sitting the lower half of, of finals, which we did place, but we started to about three quarters of the way through the year we started to creep up on Madison and. Madison, to me, was the moon at that point, because I was so familiar with the 95, 96, 97 shows. Um, and even their 99 show that I'd seen the previous year was amazing. And we finally passed them. And I, I remember we were in Michigan when we finally beat them. And just, I, I couldn't hold it. I was so <laughs> excited. I, was like, I cannot believe this just happened. Now, there are a lot, of, I, a lot of people who've seen that show said that that wasn't Madison's best show, but I actually really liked their show that year. That was when they did, I can't remember the name of the actual show, but it was kind of a Russian-influenced show. They did a lot of, um, I think some Tchaikovsky and some other stuff, but a lot of sort of Russian-sounding music. I really liked their show that year. But it, that was the, that feeling of, I can't believe this actually just happened. Yeah. I think... That happens throughout a season for everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. especially when you're neck and neck with somebody, and then yeah. you finally get over that hump once, you know. If whether it's just a caption, or I mean, especially right. drum, you're watching drum scores all every night, like, yep. hey, okay, well, cool, we placed there. What's the drum score? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. and seeing who's close, how close. Right. Um, so those little hurdles that that those are moments that are just as good. I mean, the winning. Like he said, it's it, for me. We didn't expect to do it, so it was obviously a happy surprise. Right. But you know, it was only the second time the core had done it, mm-hmm. so it was seeing the outpouring from alumni. You know, right. coming out of the stands, that was more exciting right. than the actual win. And I think, and not to be bad, but if we hadn't won drums, I wouldn't. It would have been like, yeah, that's cool. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's important. I mean, that's what I spent my summer doing. I right. didn't. You know, I, of course I marched, but it was not. I didn't get into drum corps just to march. Right. I, I played. So yeah. without that, I, I don't think. So the little drum hurdles all summer long are like those little victories, which yeah. are awesome feelings. Did you guys have like a, a rival when you marched Madison? Um, or sorry, not Madison. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Um, uh, it was always the two groups that were con- uh, consistently ahead of us. Um, it was, let's see... Oregon Crusaders and Colts. 
Coincidence. Um, yeah, those two were ahead of us by not not a lot. It was like a point or two. Right. And um, uh, it was Allentown. We had um that regional. Um, we, you know, we had a really good uh, run through at the end of our rehearsal. Um, so when we showed up, it was it was weird. It's super unexpected. Um, it decided to rain on us like super hard. Like as we were just unloading everything, wow. it just rains and. We were expecting, you know, possibly not not performing or anything, but right. rain just went away and we warmed up and performed. Um, and at the end of the day, um, overall we were like seventeenth um, <clears throat> out of everybody, mm-hmm. you know, everybody in the in the country. Um, but yeah, that that one show, some I don't know what happened. Um, maybe I think we just we kept working. Yeah. Um, we kept working hard. We didn't let the rain. Um, affect us or anything um but at the end of the day we literally jumped two places um beat both um Colts and and Oregon Crusaders and I mean that was a pretty good feeling just because um we were just behind them and then after one or two more days we we jumped and uh and beat them and yeah it felt pretty good um uh same thing actually happened throughout the beginning of the season um beat Madison Scouts in hand one time <laughs> and same with Academy um, but that was early in the season I'm pretty sure about, they ha- obviously they have a lot harder books mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't as clean then but then once it started cleaning up then right. yeah but it, it felt good to beat them at least once or twice in hands yeah. um, I remember my wife telling me in 99 she marched a very tiny Division 3 Corps Back when there was a Division Three, mm-hmm. um, called oh gosh, what were they called? They got I they don't think I don't know if they ever made it to Div- Division One or World Cup, but I know they made it to Open. Um, they were based out of Columbus, and she's gonna kick me for not remembering it at the time I should. Limited remember. edition? No. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was it in no. Um, I have to think. I have to think of uh, I have to think of another one. I know they put out a, uh, a WGI line one year, mm-hmm. out in the mid to late nineties, and then they be- they became a drum corps. Anyway, she marched them, and they had a rivalry with a small corps from Cincinnati. I, th- I want to say Pride of Cincinnati, but I think that's, that's a common. Like that's a common. Yeah, because uh, I cannot remember the the name of the uh, that other corps. But she had the same thing where they were just that was their rival. That's what kept them pushing and pushing and pushing all through the season. Yeah, and her core was tiny, like thirty to forty people tiny. So, but it's still it's. I think it's still good that there's still that competition, um, even <coughs> with smaller groups. And I kind of miss those groups because even now, even the smaller cores are still pretty full because the there's not yeah. that many options anymore. Yeah, right. So I kind of miss the small. Actually, I don't remember if it was there last year, but I remember how excited I was the first time I saw the Bandettes play. Because it was one of their last years, and yeah. they were tiny. They had like yeah. maybe twenty people in. They were, but they were still going. Right. And you know, because we only have the, the the couple of handful of the all male cores left, and almost none of the female cores. Right. And so it was the Ventures. That was the other one. Yeah, yeah, they were good. I liked Lay Clips. I think too. Yeah. Or no, it was shot out of. I'm sorry, out of uh, Canada. They shot. I can't think of their name. Well, I know the Vendettes were also out of Canada. So maybe that's yeah, so I think ventures were too. I think all of yeah. them, yeah. all females were from Canada. <laughs> Which I don't know if that says 
what that says about us. <laughs> but I just remember because, you know, when you start to learn about drum corps and the history of it, then sort of things become legend in, in just that in our small little activity where everyone knows each other really. And you realize how small it actually is and how much, you know, how connected everyone really is. But it just seems so big at the time. Okay, so uh, a couple side stories you might be interested with regard to rivalries. Everywhere on the Blue Devils equipment truck, um, you remember, I, I, I don't know if they still make them, where you would have the long plastic s- sticky tape that you would uh, put through um, the little handheld letter maker and you'd squeeze a letter to make whatever, you know, th- yeah. this is Rob's bed. You squeeze it yeah. out, stick it yeah. uh, on these little, uh, little pieces of tape all over the Blue Devil equipment truck was FTV. Everywhere. We had we had a similar one. Yeah, our FTCs. Everywhere. Our, our, ours was FTC. Yeah. Referring to or actually referring to our sister corps. Oh which, right. Oh here. Okay, I got a sister corps story. So, <laughs> so of course, uh, uh, Garfield Cadets won uh, D Center two eighty four by ten. They beat the Blue Devils by ten. And uh, and and and. Blue Devils won drums, horns, and guard, and Garfield won. Um, that was a that was that, I think that probably was bittersweet. Um, here's what uh, you ask any, myself included, ask any uh, uh, Blue Devil drummer from that year, uh, particularly what happened between prelims and finals, because prelims was a bigger spread between uh, Blue Devils and and Garfield. Uh, Blue Devils win, win drums, um, score nine eight and GE drums, nine eight. Uh, finals, Blue Devils spread Garfield by a point in drums, win drums with a 19-9, and drop three-tenths in drums. Get a 9-5 in drums, which cost, cost, and we can never, could never reconcile that. How we do so much better on the field mm-hmm. and, and still lose three-tenths in the box. <laughs> and, uh, and, that, and, and that's when, you know, the, the, the following year, it was interesting because uh, 85 after that was a knee-jerk year for Buddha because they were looking at what Garfield was doing and said, well, we're going to try to do something Garfield-y, sort of. Mm-hmm. And they tried that, and success, they won horns, they won drums that following year. Uh, uh, came third, third, excuse me, third 85. And then 86, they went back to old school Blue Devils and nobody could catch them. Mm-hmm. So. so I'm going to go ahead and kind of wrap it up because we're coming, to, coming in an hour and I don't want to hold you guys too far. For too long, but uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this last question. Do you have a favorite show? Not necessarily that you marched, but just a favorite show. Like that mine probably will always be Phantom 96. The that was Commission. a really good show. Yeah. You? Um, the only shows that, you know, I've watched from 2000 up. Uh, well, I've seen some from before, but I don't really remember them or um, I haven't seen them uh, recently. Um, <clears throat> but I would say my favorite show. Um, I have I think I have two favorite shows. The first one definitely on uh, Sankar Vanguard when they did the finals. Um, I I just thought it was really cool because you know when when I was in high school I was a, I, we played that in the marching band and I was like oh you know that's a good band. But they actually did it really well. Like they did it really well, and then um, let's see. But yeah, I, I think that that is, that is my favorite show. Um, 
can't can't think of other ones off the top of my head right now. <laughs> Rob, um, two, uh, my first because it was the first show I saw nineteen seventy nine Madison Scouts. They came in like sixth or seventh that year. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the loudest drum corps next to nineteen eighty or eighty one Spirit of Atlanta I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, an amazing chord. They finished out playing um, uh, Barbra Streisand's Memories. Just it was ear melting, amazing. But I'd say even at the top, that was another uh, show that didn't it didn't make the top six. Was 1980 Santa Clara Vanguard. Mm. Um, I I think it was misunderstood by the judging community. Stone Ground Seven, in my opinion, is the best drum solo that was ever written, ever. Love it. Those are my two. Um. The one that I always go back to, and it was because it was so different, is uh, Stars '93 show. And it, yeah, that, that's a good yeah. show. It, and the drums were pretty ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the sh- but it was such. I mean, we there's the politics involved in them going away and all that kind of stuff. Right. But uh, it was such. You know, I'd watched drum corps up until that point, um, and followed. You know, listened to all my. I like as far as a year goes because my favorite year of drum corps is 1987. Because okay. there were so many good things that yeah. year. But as far as one core, one show, I'd say the Star 93 show, just because of its bizarreness. I have sort of the same feeling. I, it happened to me that I, I really liked the 96 shows across the board for most mm-hmm. of them. But the other ones, and maybe maybe this is because I was there and was watching them, and so I I became a, a, you know, accustomed to them. I thought the 2000, like the top six cores in 2000 all had great shows mm-hmm. like not all of them were yeah. ones that i would listen to and would sit down and just watch them play there wasn't one where i kind of would just walk off because i would get bored watching all of them um and that was the i think the last year of the tie because uh, cadets mm-hmm. and yeah cabbies tied yeah. that year um and then uh, blue devils did the psycho show that year mm-hmm. which was a great show Santa Clara Vanguard did uh, um, um, what's it called Adagio for Strings that year, and then even uh, uh, Boston Crusaders, who I think got fifth that year, had their show Red, mm-hmm. which was which was a really good show. And so I I really like two thousand. Maybe I'm biased. They weren't marked that year, but other the only other year that I liked more than that was ninety six because there were some really good shows. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you so much for enduring this. and uh, <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thank you, John. That was Mac Perdee, Rob Surratt, and Jorge Chavez sitting down with me, which I really appreciated. I'm gonna I forgot to mention in the intro that I was having mic problems with the recording, so you I sound very distant and so does Jorge, but at least the, the mics were working well on Mac and Rob. So I apologize for that. I'm gonna possibly have to check into getting some new mics. The one that I have been using is starting to go in the fritz, so it's time to re up for some new mics. 
I'm going to leave you guys with uh, for this episode with a song from a band that actually Mac Purdy is in called Paola Presley. He's given me permission to uh, play a song uh, from one of their albums, and I'm going to play one of my favorite ones, which I believe actually Mac sings on. I don't know if he cares that I tell you that, but uh, they're kind of a electronica-type band, but I know when they play live, they do a lot of more acoustical stuff with electronics on top. So this is... I'm going to leave you with a song called Experiment Rhino from Paola Presley. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next month. Despise you, enslave you, to regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to feel.